moving forward, we're going to start a new series today. I know it's the end of the year. We're not quite there yet, but it's moving forward time. I know we've got one more party tomorrow night. I do not party. I have small children, so I'm in bed by like 10 o'clock. They, they may make 10.30, but I'm in bed by 10 tomorrow night. I, this is sad. I am an adventure guy. Go do everything or whatever. Since I had kids, I do not think I've made midnight in close to a decade. That's embarrassing to even say. I'm like, no, no, let's just go to bed. Put the fan on high. I don't care if the fireworks are popping. We'll drown it out. Let's just go to sleep. But moving forward, we're going to start a new series from Matthew 2. We spent the last seven weeks on the king and his kingdom And we're going to jump into Matthew 2 in a time in a young couple's life, a young family's life, that there's going to be some change and they have to move forward. It's the new year coming up. You're thinking about what you want to do differently and change and New Year's resolutions and all those things. Let's look at the Word of God and let's look at three essentials to move forward. Three essentials, biblical essentials to move forward forward in our lives. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read 13 to 15. The wise men have come in and they've already come out, gone out. Mary and Joseph have been adopted into the little tiny town of Bethlehem, barely a thousand people. The, they got adopted in that community. Clearly, they're honoring Mary and Joseph and Jesus, just like the shepherds honor them. You're going to stay and hang around people you like. Why did they not go back to their ancestral home? Because they honored them, which we talked about last week. Honor and reverence is the true spirit of Christmas. Why in the world would you stay in a podunk town of barely a thousand people in Bethlehem with Jesus? Obviously, by the hand of the Lord. But they were loved and they were honored there. And so we find that the wise men have departed here in verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, this is apparently the way the Lord speaks to Joseph, because it's not the first time the Lord has spoken to him in a dream. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I've called my son. All right, so we've got a young couple. We've got a stepdad, uh, probably a two- to three-year-old toddler. Jesus was older at this time. And we've got a major life decision and a major shift and a change in their life. Big time. It's not the vision in the life Joseph thought it would be. Often following the Lord is not. It's better, but it's not what you sometimes think it is. So let's look at this. Three ingredients. You've got some notes there, three blanks. Let's learn something new from the Word of God. This is a very familiar text, but as I said a few weeks ago, Sometimes pastors, and I was convicted of this myself, oh, I don't like to do such familiar texts because it's been done so much. And the Lord set me down weeks ago when I said, I'm going to spend four weeks in Matthew chapter 2, and, you're gonna, and I'm going to learn all these things from the Word of God. And the Lord just brought all these things that I'd never seen before. from the, Maybe the most familiar story in all the Bible, right? But the Word of God is alive and active, isn't it? And you can look at it a thousand times. Like that diamond, when you turn it just one degree, oh, I've never, 
I never saw that, Lord. That's what's so wonderful when we spend time in His Word. All right, let's look at this. Verse 13, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. I'm telling you the first thing that went through Joseph's mind. I know what it is because I'm a father too. Oh, God of heaven, please, not a long, long road trip with a toddler. Come on. Jesus is not like the six-week-old who sleeps 20 hours a day like a little bitty baby does. You got an 18-month to three-year-old, a boy. They never stop. They put holes in walls by the time they can walk, right? I want you to take him on a long, long road trip. Now, do we see the great faith of Joseph here? The overwhelming obedience of taking a little child and a mother on a very long road trip. And to where? Egypt. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know Egypt's not the best place for Jewish people to be. Huh? Egypt doesn't, Jewish people, they don't have a good history. Right? Whoa, wait a minute, Lord. You want me to take the baby Jesus and my wife to a hostile environment? Now, at the time, there was a lot of Jews living in and around certain places in Egypt. It's not like there was none. There were Jewish communities. But overall, Egypt has always been a place of hostility. But see, he causes even my enemies to be at peace with me. Amen? And I will bring you to a place of hostility, but see, with you is the Prince of Peace. So you'll have peace there. Number one in your notes. Obedience is our job. Everything else is his. You take that long road trip with that toddler, you just trust me. He won't kill you and you won't kill him. You go right into Egypt in a hostile environment, you trust me. Because when I speak, that's the ultimate power, that's the ultimate word in the universe. Obedience is our job. Everything else is his. Now this is freeing. Obedience is the hardest thing you ever do in your life. Now Pastor Stephen's not going to lie to you. You're going to obey the, long, the, the Lord long term. And everything he tells you to do, the best your ability, it will be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. Because you've got a flesh and you've got a will that doesn't want to do that. Now, it's the greatest thing. I can say, I've been doing it for over 20 years. Oh, and I would never do anything else. Oh, I would never do anything else. Now, this is the wonderful thing about obedience. When we obey him, obey his word, obey the whispers of the Holy Spirit, he takes care of everything else. Look at someone and say everything. Now, this is the trade-off. This is what the world doesn't want to tell you, and the devil is so afraid that you know. If you obey him, he takes care of everything, or you can trade it. Disobedience, and it's all on you. Your health, your finances, your relationship, what goes on in your life, your job, the path of life, if you refuse obedience, it's all yours. Now try sleeping good at night with that one. There's a reason Prozac and sleeping pills are the number one prescribed thing in America. Right? Antidepressants and sleeping pills. Because they have everything. I want obedience. Do we want obedience? 
Amen. Come on. Obedience is our job. Number one, that's what Joseph shows us to move forward in life. We've got to have it. There can be no moving forward without obedience. Obedience, even, even though we go, oh, wait a minute. Even though I don't know how this is going to happen, but we obey. This is the amazing thing about Joseph, who happens to also have the name of the other Joseph who spent his life in Egypt. You know, Egypt obviously is a picture of sin and bondage and God brought us out. But remember, the first Joseph who went to Egypt way back in Genesis, God's hand was on him and it became a great blessing to him, his household, and the rest of the world, right? He physically, literally saved the world. And so it will be again with this Joseph. You think that name that he was given Joseph was accidental? You know, you have a name, right? I obviously identify myself with Stephen in the Bible. I think about him. I've got that name. Every time it's spoken, I think about it. A lot of you have biblical names. Every time Joseph heard his name, he thought about who and what? Genesis, about Joseph. Now he's literally going to step into, step into the life that the first Joseph did. And he's going to be blessed, and he's got the Savior with him. This is the same thing. Abraham did in Hebrews 11. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, what? Obeyed. When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, now this is every man's favorite verse, not knowing where he was going. Oh, Lord, please. If I don't have a plan, if I can't see it, if I'm not in the driver's seat, I'm not going to do it. I have a friend who hates to go anywhere if he can't drive. He's not a bad guy. He's just a type personality, oldest, person, oldest child. It's not a bad thing. In fact, he will drive you all around the country. No problem, as long as he can drive and he can take his vehicle. We did a conference that we had to go back and forth four different times. Every time he would call me, Stephen, I'm going to drive and I'll take my vehicle. Well, you don't have to do that. We can rent a car or whatever. No, 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 no. I want to drive and I want to take my vehicle. Every time to Dallas, six hours. He was happy to. All the way there he drove, all the way back. I loved it. I was being chauffeured. It was great. But he had to be in control. It's not a bad thing. It's just that personality. Now, that personality, as all of ours, is yielded to the Lord right here. Abraham did it. Joseph did it. We do it. Y'all want to see a picture of obedience? I promise this is the last dog pictures of 2018. I know I've been on this dog and cat kick. I promise it's the last pictures of 2018 because this is the last service of... <laughs> Let's look at this first picture. You want to see obedience? That is obedience, my friends. That is Joseph obedience right there. That is maturity and trust the master like I have never seen. That's it right there. Now, there is even another level, but this is supernatural. Let's see the, the next level of obedience. I have not achieved. I don't know how that. <laughs> if God uses you to that level, that's beyond me. That is beyond me. All right, let's go back to our text here. Obedience is our job. Oh, the freedom of everything else is his. You want to be free and move forward in 2019? Obey and say, here it is, everything else, Lord. The only option is the opposite. Don't think 
that there's an in-between. There is surrender, and there is His way and His will, and there is everything else. Come on, is that gospel truth? Amen. That is the truth. Verse 13. We're back in Matthew 2. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. And stay there until I bring you word. I want you to live on this, what I've told you, and I want you to stay submitted and stay under the go to Egypt and stay there, and you just have to obey that. I need you to stay there, I need you to obey, and I need you to be submitted to that word. Man, that's amazing to me. And stay there until I bring you word? Uh, a time frame? A season? Uh... It's most likely he was there six to seven years is the time. Some theologians put it three to four, but probably it was seven years, and that's kind of a biblical fulfilling number. So that I would probably lean to that one. It could be, but it was a long time. Seven, even if we put it at at less year six, of living, submitted, and trusting God's plans and purposes. Oh, that is a heart of submission Seven years, got some single people here, maybe younger. If God came to you and said, listen, I love you. I've got a plan and purpose. I've got a wonderful husband, a wonderful wife. This is how long I want you to wait. That's a tough, <laughs> right? But God had a wonderful plan, and Joseph had such a submitted heart, and obviously Mary too, number two on your notes. Submission is the only way forward in life. You guys know what a paradox is? A paradox, that's a good word to know, especially if you're a Christian. A paradox, let me not mess this up. Hold on, let me get off my notes. A statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality, it is true. It's a fact. Something that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality, it is a fact. It seems absurd that he would say, all I want you to do is submit and wait. That's it. You move forward, Joseph, in life. You fulfill the plans and purposes of God for your entire life. And in fact, and in fact, will fulfill scripture written hundreds of years earlier, earlier, From the prophet Hosea, if Joseph had not obeyed, never could have said, out of my son I had called, out of Egypt I called my son. His submission caused the fulfilling of hundreds of years of scripture. I would love to find myself in the Bible like that in my life. Amen. That's what God said about David. He fulfilled the plans and purposes of God in his generation. Submission is the way forward. That's paradoxical. Christians... If you're going to serve the Lord, you will live a paradoxical life. Is that right? You should be. If you're not, something's wrong. It's not a biblical life. Are the last first, right? We're to be servants of all, right? The weak are strong. That's a, what? There's no way. Yes. I'll never forget as a young man reading the book, The Way Up is Down, Francis Martin. I remember the funky little cover that it had on there. 
the guy pointing one way and this way and one eye up and one eye down. The way up is down. And I'm, you know, you know, I had to read it. Let me be honest. I was an intern and they gave it to me like, here's your list of books you have to read. I had to read it. But something clicked. I didn't even know what a paradox was. I understood at the time, oh, the life of submission, a paradoxical life, is actually the only way I can do anything for God. That's the way we're going to bring Him glory and honor. Submission is the way forward. For Joseph, for Mary, for us, right? Let's do a couple of scriptures here. Go to the book of Ruth. I want to show you something. God, um, Joseph is submitting to God. That's an easy one. Come on now, right? No one's going to say, I'm just not going to listen to God, or publicly at least we're not, right? That's an easy one. Come on. We can do that one easy. I want to show you Ruth. We know the story of Ruth. The Naomi and her husband leave because her husband got scared. He was supposed to stay in Egypt. There was a famine. I'm sorry, stay in Israel. There was a famine. He takes off with his sons, mistake, get to the land of Moab. His sons marry Moabites because you hang out, you know, with Moabites, you're going to marry Moabites. That's the way it is. <laughs> hang out with Philistines, you're going to marry Philistines. Don't hang out with Philistines too much. Acquaintances, not your best friends. Right? You don't want Philistines as your in-laws. Okay? I can't prove that. It's just in the Bible somewhere. So what happens is it all falls apart, right? Her husband dies. Both her sons die. They're coming back. Let me read this to you and then set up the mental and physical state of Naomi. This is Ruth 1.14. Then they lifted up their voices, that was her two daughter-in-laws and Naomi, and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her and said, and she said, Look, your sister has, and sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, now hold on. We need to understand who Ruth is about to talk to. Ruth is about to talk to a widow who is emotionally shot and done in life. I'll tell you how done she is. When she gets back home and everyone hugs her neck and says, Naomi, she goes, don't even call me that anymore. She says, call me Mara because Naomi was pleasant, but my name is bitter now. That's how emotionally she's shot. She's not some great spiritual leader. She's in the lowest of lows in her life. See, we can follow God because He's perfect. And we can follow those great spiritual leaders. But God says, find submission to someone. In every area of your life, find a place that you're going to be submitted to someone. Now, it's easy if you're married. you got to do it. <laughs> it's forced mutual submission. If you're not, I highly encourage you, find someone you can be submitted to. Now look what Ruth does. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to, li- to leave you or to turn back from following you. You're broken, you're a mess, but you're the only godly person I know. Come on. You're the only godly person I know. You're a God-fearing, God-following person. I know you're in shambles right now, but something is in you that is still beating, even though you feel half dead. And I'm following that because I've seen all they have in Moab and they don't have what you have. Even in its broken state. Let me tell you something, Christian. Even in your broken state, 
What is in you is greater than he that's in the world. The glory of this world is nothing compared to Jesus Christ in you. Though you feel broken, though you feel hurting, though you feel half, though you feel you're crawling, he's greater. And people will follow you even in your brokenness. Come on. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever I go, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And that's a big statement. This woman so emotionally, she don't know how long she's going to last, right? She could die next week. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death keeps me from being submitted to you. If you want to go forward in life, we all submit to the Lord. That's, that's 101, right? Find someone in some place to be submitted in your life. Submission is the only way forward in life. We practice mutual submission with each other. That's biblical. You do it in a marriage context especially. That's one of the beautiful things about marriage and the most difficult, of course. But that is the way forward. Obedience to God, submission to others. Let me show you what the king of the universe did. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, 51. God in flesh, the king of the universe. Then he went down with them, that's Jesus, and came to Nazareth. Nice uh, 12, 13-year-old. And was subject to them and was what? The God of the universe subject to sinful flesh? What? Is he our example in all things? Right? He's our example in all things. And was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus, now look at the fruit of submission. And Jesus increased in what? In wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I want some of that. If you want that, submission. All right, y'all got it. I want to show you a picture here to illustrate this. That is the Arabian horse. It's called the, considered the toughest horse in the world. It's really a marvel to, to watch it function these horses live and thrive in the most difficult conditions in the Arabian desert. They train these horses for those huge long races that like they go all through the desert and stuff, in, in, um, ones that would kill man. But these, this is the Arabian horse. So this is the way they train these. They train them from when they're really young with a whistle, usually. And their final test to know that they're ready, especially for those extremely long races, is they, and I'm not, uh, I'm not supporting this, I'm just telling you the facts. They put the horse without food and water for several days, especially water, in the desert. Y'all with me? Three to four days in a pen with no water. They open the pen as the master is standing in the main pen with water on the other end. They open the pen, and of course, what does that horse do? They take off. Those horses take off non, they're, they're going 100 miles an hour of that water. And right before they reach the water, he blows the whistle. 
for them to stop and come back to the master. Those that stop with no water for two to three days, three to four days, come straight back to the master, quivering, exhausted, right? That come back to the master when he blows the whistle, they pass. Now that is a picture of submission. I'm going to tell you something about submission too. You'll usually submit weak and quivering and exhausted and maybe tears in your eyes, but you'll do it. Amen? When did Jesus cry and sweat drops of blood? It was at the greatest point of submission, right? Father, not my will, but yours be done. Let this cup pass from me, but no, no. Not my will, but yours be done. Submission is the only way forward in life. All right. One last one here. We're back in Matthew 2. All right, you guys doing good? Got a Picasso going on over there. Looks good. Here we go. Last one. Verse 14. Then he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. This whole text seems to suggest that he has this vision, that he pops up, gathers and packs as quick as he can, and heads out in the middle of the night. This is very inglorious. This, <laughs> no one knows, no one has to know, and it doesn't matter to him except obedience. Now, I'm going to tell you, if it had been in the daytime, Beth- Bethlehem would have threw him a parade. They would have supplied him with more money. He already had the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But if he would have told people that he was taking the sinless son of God and Mary, who they liked, right? They were in a place that people liked them and left. How do you think it would have been going a lot different, right? Take my camel, do this, do that, right? But for him, no one else had to know. All he needed was all he needed to do was obey, and that was enough for him. What amazing faith. What phenomenal that he took him at night with no one else knowing, headed to Egypt. Number three on your notes. Faith obeys without anyone else knowing. Mamas, when no one else is there with those children, and you're loving on them, and you're changing diapers, and you're teaching them Bible stories, and you're serving them, and you're cleaning floors. See, faith obeys when no one else is there. Sir, when you're working hard, and no, no one knows that you're doing working hard to get that job done, or you got to refix it, or redo it, or open up early, or close down late, because you're trying to be faithful, it obeys when no one else sees. When you're having integrity, even though you could turn corners or cut corners, faith obeys when no one else sees. When I'm in, it obeys when no one else knows about it. Let me show you this picture real quick in a few verses. Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. I'm going to show you this right here. This is a theme throughout all the New Testament. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. 
Now, know that word in the Bible. It's an important one. It means a lifelong servant, but it also means the servant who is often closest to the master. Usually, the way it worked in this culture is that there would be a servant who would hear the master's voice. It wouldn't be all of them. He would come in. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to run this? What do you want me to do? The master would say, I want you to do this, this, and this. The bond servant, on hearing the words of the master by himself, would have to go out and go do it, right? Now, look at this. Paul and Timothy say, I'm going to say how I work in life. I'm a bond servant to Christ first. I obey him even when no one else is looking. And because of that, then I can say to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philadelphia with the bishops and deacons. Go to the next scripture. James 1. James, a what? Bondservant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greetings. I obey when no one else knows then I can speak to others. Next one. Simon Peter, a what? A bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith, just the same as me, like precious faith by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. That's it. We've got communion and some reflection time. First, let's do some reflection time. On your notes right there are some blanks. So this is kind of our altar call time. I want you to reflect on three things. Those three words, obedience, submission, and faith. Look at someone next to you and say obedience. Turn look at someone else and say submission. And look at everybody and say faith. Now this is the question for 2019. As you're reflecting on the, the, this year and the new one coming very soon, This is the question. Write one sentence, just one sentence, for each area you're going to serve God in. Okay, Lord, how am I going to serve you with obedience? How am I going to serve you with submission? And how am I going to have faith and trust you like I never have? Obedience submission, faith. I'm going to give you a minute with you and Jesus and your thoughts.
Why don't you stand up? We're getting ready to take communion. I'm going to end with a story. Before we take communion with our wonderful kids, this is a local magazine. Most of y'all know it. It's Covenant Spotlight. Um, it's out there in the lobby. It's a free Christian magazine they put together. The person on the front is Kenetra Adams. You may recognize her or two kids because she's led worship here uh, as a guest multiple times. She's a blessing. I was looking at this. I was thinking, wow, look, she's on the front cover. That's wonderful. She's full of joy and full of life. And I was, met her a few years ago, and I was wondering, thinking about her life, like, how do you end up right here? Not that she's perfect. She's just a sinner saved by grace like all of us. I was thinking, hmm, she must have had a great life. No. Difficulty. Great difficulty. She's a single mom, not by choice, with two young children. She's one of the worship leaders of family life. But the reason why I wanted to end with this and highlight is because I was thinking she should not be here. She's a minority, single mom, two little girls. She homeschools them. She's kind of self-employed, does worship and all kind of other stuff. And I'm thinking, why is she here and proclaiming the goodness of God in her generation? She shouldn't be. And as I got to know her and talked to other people, I figured it out. Because her life really reflected this. I was talking to her a few weeks ago, and she said she was in a homeschool because that's what the Lord told her to do. What the Lord spoke to her, and she was changing her life around. She said, I have to be obedient. I have to obey. This is what I know I'm supposed to do. Oh, wow. Then I was talking to her pastor a few weeks later, and we were talking about submission. And Todd said, you know, Stephen, Connector is a rare person. I said, why? I want to know. He said, very few people let me pastor them. But she is one of those rare people who is truly submitted to me. And she has great faith in God, her Savior. I'm going to tell you, I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care what minority, young or old, what your, your ethnicity or what your bank account is. You obey. You submit. Earthly. And you trust the living God. He'll do great things. Oh, He'll do great things in and through you. Come on. He's the same God of Joseph and Mary. He's the same God, Connector. Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Let's pray, and then we're going to take communion. Let's come to Jesus. Lord, I thank You for this wonderful, simple text in Your eternal, perfect Word. Yes, we will follow in the footsteps of Joseph and Mary. We will obey. We will submit. Both to you and to earthly authority. And we will trust you. No matter how long you have us where we are, we trust you. Whether it's seven days or seven years, we are yours. seal it in the strong, strong name of Jesus. Amen. Now in your family groups, you to go out and get communion and then we'll take it all together.
go and get the bread and the juice. Let's stand up and we'll do this together in your family groups and as one big family in Christ. Everyone here, kids and adults, we do this to remember our Lord and Savior. It represents his body that was broken for us and his blood, the precious blood that was spilled for us. Let's take the bread. Lord, as we end this year and as we look forward to this next, oh, we do it with joy. We do it with anticipation. And right now, Lord, we commit individually as a family and corporately as a body of believers to obey you, to have submission in our lives. And oh, Lord, faith. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. Because we will do it through and by the blood of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Let's sing a worship song as we end. Got a few minutes left. Let's worship the Lord together.
lift our hands. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we surrender to you. It's, a, it's an honor to surrender to you, Lord. It's an honor to be submitted to you, God, the King of the universe. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness this, this year. And we know you are faithful every day. And we look forward to great things in 2019. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. It is yours and yours alone. In the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give him praise. God bless you. Have a great day.